Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wow, did this come out beautifully? Just right of the flag. Yeah, he's giving it a full rip. There you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That is a golf shot. It's about two feet. For a big ovation and a welcome back. The roars have returned in golf. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 39. I'm your host, Riley. Wasn't this weekend just incredible? Our guy, Roy McElroy, back winning golf tournaments, back in contention. I, we have so much to talk about, Roy, this week. You guys know you've listened to 39 episodes by now, or this is your 39th. Roy McElroy is the man, my favorite golfer since he had curly hair and uh, Jeremiah was his, his sponsor, whatever the fuck it was. So this week is sick. He has won, obviously, in over a year and a half. And this is the first time I got to watch him win since the Tour Championship in 2019 because he didn't win. In, uh, well, when he won in China, it was, what, 4 o'clock in the morning, so I didn't get to watch it. Didn't think it was going to be this long. But it was such a good win at a place that he obviously loves. He loves Charlotte, North Carolina. He loves this golf course. It's the third time that he's won this event. And I can't wait to talk about Roy. I've done 39 of these now. We haven't been able to talk about a Roy McIlroy win since we started this podcast. And this is notoriously a Roy McIlroy podcast. That's what T9 does. And this is the first time we actually get to talk about him. And I'm very, very, very excited about it can't wait he played phenomenal down the stretch we're going to talk about swing changes what we saw what Cohen has done all that kind of stuff we're going to talk about obviously everything that happened with Rory McIlroy over the weekend we're going to go over the bets we're up 1.7 units I believe so plus 170 on the weekend so pretty good nice little bounce back for us um, because I don't think I think we were down at the Valspar so this recovers us from that loss so it was just an overall really, 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 really good weekend. Uh, if you guys noticed, we got a little, we got different intro music this week, which I like. Uh, shortened it up a little bit. I was actually funny. I was editing the show a couple weeks ago, and then I received a couple comments on our one of our TikTok videos, and I didn't realize it, but the fucking intro music was like long. So we cut that down, chose a new song, different vibe. Uh, perfect timing, you know, celebrate a Rory McIlroy win with a different intro, different music. We love that. Uh, headlines wise, we don't have a lot, but then obviously we're going to get into the AT&T Byron Nelson that's happening this week. Uh, 
usually a small-ish field, but there's a lot of guys in it this week, which is going to be awesome. Next week is obviously the PGA Championship, so a lot of guys going there to find some form before they go to Kiowa Island. So there's a lot to get into. There's a lot to unpack this week. First, let's just start with the headline, and it's a pretty simple one. The Saudi Arabia is still looking to launch the Super Golf League, which, first of all, find a new name. It's, it sounds like a 12-year-old wanted like Tiger Woods and uh, John Daly and all these bullsh- uh, these guys to just compete every week for a bunch of money. That's the name you would give that league, and that's what they're going with, the Super Golf League. It's bullshit. But what it is, if you guys aren't aware of what it is, it's a golf league centered around giving the biggest names in the sport a guaranteed paycheck week in and week out, right? This league is not performance-based. I'm sure that if you win a golf tournament, you might win extra money, blah, 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 whatever. But what it's based around, it's giving these biggest names in the game guaranteed money. You show up to this tournament, I will pay. we will pay you $8 million, $10 million, $5 million, depending on the name probably, and then you just play this golf tournament. It comes with a lot. You get suspended immediately from the PGA Tour. That is a career killer, right? If you go to the Super Golf League, you are now a super an SGL member and you can't come back. Can't play in PGA Tour events, minor events, whatever. It's open. I think it's going to be able, you're going to be able to play in majors if you're in this league starting in 2022. Again, I don't know when their launch expectancy date is. I don't know when they put this thing into full effect i don't even know if it's still going to happen but it's still hanging around ricky dj bryson are among people that are at least listening to the proposal of the super golf league phil mickelson is another one and rory before the wells fargo had obviously some stuff to say he's like the commissioner of the players board and so he stood up for the pga tour a little bit he said people can see for what it is which is a money grab which is fine if you're playing with let me start over People can see it for what it is, which is a money grab, which is fine if what you're playing golf for is to make as much money as possible. Totally fine. Then go and do that if that's what makes you happy. I'm playing this game to try to cement my place in history and my legacy and to win major championships and to win the biggest tournaments in the world. So Rory hates this fucking idea. He's been against it for a long time. It was reported that they first approached Rory's back in 2014, I think, and he told them to kick rocks then, tells them the same thing now. And Phil is an interesting name, right? Phil's won a bunch of golf tournaments. He's won a bunch of majors. He's already solidified himself as one of the best players to ever play golf. So for him, and he's old now, right? He's in his, He can play on the Champions Tour. So this league is very attractive to him. Maybe eternally he thinks that he can no longer win major tournaments, right? He can no longer go get a U.S. Open. He can't win in Kiowa in a couple weeks. He's not going to put on another green jacket. So for somebody like Phil... Will it tarnish your legacy at if at 50 you went and played for the Super Golf League? I don't think so. I don't. I wouldn't anyway. He went to go chase a bag after his playing career was pretty much done on the PGA Tour. For guys like Dustin Johnson, on the other hand, I think it would. Right? DJ's won, what, two majors now? He has two major championships. That's it. He's in his mid-30s. He only has two majors. His buddy Brooks has more. Roars has more. Jordan has more. Like he still has so much to do in the game of golf. Sure, he's the best player in the world. He's the world number one. He's been like that for years. He wins a lot of golf tournaments. He's won a lot on the PGA Tour, but he only has two majors. That's what people are going to look at when you retire and, oh, how many majors did you win? DJ only only having two is very surprising. And one of those things that that's the mark on your legacy. And if you 
put aside major championships and you go, oh, I don't, although who knows, they might be able to play in majors. But if you leave the PGA Tour where you're going to play in the biggest golf events in the entire world for a guaranteed paycheck week in and week out and kind of say, oh, legacy and tournament championships are kind of on the back burner for me. I'm just trying to win a fuck ton of money. People are going to look at DJ a little bit differently if that happens to be the case. Obviously, we don't know how much he's actually listening to these offers. It was just reported that he's listening to them at least enough that it got reported. A guy like Ricky, who stinks right now, he can't sniff a leaderboard. Obviously, his career is not done, right? He's only in his 30s. Like, who knows? He's not a young chicken anymore, but who knows what he's going to do in the next couple of years if he gets his golf game back, right? Jordan Spieth just came back, won the Valero, was competing at the Masters, T5, or top five at the Masters, rather. So, Ricky has time to bounce back, right? DJ's obviously in prime form all the time. Ricky has been in a drought, hasn't won, I think, think since the Phoenix in 2019, I believe was his last win. Hasn't even really come close to winning again. So, for him, it's either. You try to come back on the PGA Tour, get a couple coaches, fix, fix the golf swing, and find leaderboards again. Or if you don't think you have it anymore, which I think is ridiculous for a 30-something-year-old kid to be like, ah, maybe I just don't have it anymore. I'll just go get guaranteed paychecks. I think that's ridiculous. Again, we don't know how much Ricky is listening to these offers. But if he was to say, you know what? I don't want anything to do with the PGA Tour anymore. I'm going to go make a fuck ton of money, and hopefully that majors are available to me if I'm in the SGL. I think that's crazy. The kid hasn't won a major. His biggest tournaments, the players, he's only won, what, four times on tour, five times on tour. And just because of his name, he can go over there and and make $5 million every time that he tees it up. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Those guys, like I said, Phil, I think is on a, a little bit different of a level because he's proved that he can win majors on the PGA Tour level. He's won a lot of them. He's won green jackets. He's won 40 plus PGA Tour events. He's on the other side of 50. I think if he was to play in the SGL, that would not be that big of a surprise. He would just go over there and make a bunch of money. So I don't know. I think it's stupid. I don't know if it's ever going to get the amount of money that they need it to. Obviously, they have enough money to be able to like support these rumors of the guys coming over and maybe playing in it. I just don't see it ever happening, to be honest. I don't think they can make something that competes with the PGA Tour on a week-in, week-out basis with like the venues the PGA Tour has access to, all that kind of stuff. You can pretty much guarantee that all the TPC courses that the PGA Tour uses aren't going to hold those events. Other courses that have a really good history with the PGA Tour and having their events there aren't going to hold an event for the SGL. So all their courses that they're going to play are probably lower tier and who the fuck wants to watch that? So I don't know how it's going to go out. Obviously, it's a money grab. Like Rory said, it's just to make a bunch of money, a fuck ton of money. What are you going to do? I don't know what the outcome is. I think it's stupid, but who knows? But let's get into it. Let's get into the Wells Fargo. Our guy, Rory McIlroy. It was... We're going to go through pretty much the whole thing. Rory did what he hasn't done in a long time, get into contention come Sunday, and then capitalize on that and win. I think that is the big difference. Like people, I saw it split on social media. It's like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal. Rory really wasn't playing that bad of golf. And then it was the other side where, well, he missed the cut at the Genesis, the Masters, the players as a defending champion you need the Masters for the career Grand Slam. You missed all of those cuts, didn't even make a weekend. And now he's like back a month, a couple months after hiring a new coach, 
putting in swing changes, struggling for a while, and then all of a sudden coming out after three weeks after the Masters, after missing the cut and winning a golf tournament is crazy. And that was the split. Like People are like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. And then it's like, oh shit, Roy McIlroy is back. But our fucking guy, a year, six months, and six days after winning his last golf tournament, that was the drought, and he wins. In that year, in 2019, he won a lot. He won the HSBC. He won the Tour Championship for $15 million. He won the Canadian Open, and he won that thing by a lot. I forget, six shots, maybe even more than that. I don't even remember. I think he shot 61 on the last day on Sunday. And then he won. that was the year that he won the players. So that year, he was in peak form. And then turn the calendar to 2020. The first couple starts in 2020 were, again, really, really freaking good, if I can pull it up real quick. Like, he was in contention all the time. Zozo T3. Um, Farmers Insurance T3, Genesis Invitational T5, uh, World Go- WGC Mexico Solo Fifth, Arnold Palmer T5, and then COVID happened, right? And he comes back T32 at the Charles Schwab, uh, T41 at the RBC Heritage, which he hated that golf course because he can't really hit driver. T11 at the Travelers, T32 at the Memorial, T47 at the WGC FedEx. So then he was never really in contention after coming back from COVID. And then he shoots a really low round at the Tour Championship, ends up finishing in the top 10. But again, that's a preset tournament with your starting positions, whatever. Then he gets the U.S. Open and top 10s at the U.S. Open. But that's another thing that he never really had a chance to win. T11, T21 at the CJ, T17 at the Zozo. Like all these are really good finishes and good numbers, but he never really had a chance to win. Again, the Masters opens with a 75 in November and finishes T5, but he never really had a chance to win. So I don't know. Like the form was like, I don't even want to say half there. It was just kind of fake there. He was never in contention. Like all his final finishes were good, the numbers looked good. But to a Roy fan who watches all of his rounds, to me, to I'm sure some of you guys, a T12 looks great on your standings and when you're looking at it, average finish position for the year, whatever. But when you really watch the golf, it's like, oh, this guy's really not that close to winning. That's just how it was. And then you come down, you miss the cut at the Genesis. Then a week later, T6 at the workday at concession. T10 at the Arnold Palmer. Again, really never had a chance to win that golf tournament. Opened up and he was the first round leader. And then after that, did nothing. Missed a cut at the players. Didn't get into the final 16 at the match play. Missed a cut at the Masters. So it was just a stretch of, sure, some people can say this isn't that big of a deal because he had high finishes over the last year and a half. He did. No doubting that. But he also didn't play that well. He was never really in a chance to win a golf tournament. And even when he was, when he was rattling off a bunch of top five finishes in a row that he didn't capitalize on, come Sunday, he didn't get it done. If he entered the final round one or two shots back or even winning, he just didn't get it done. He would shoot over par in the final round. He didn't do enough to win. And that's where the difference is for me where this comes in. Quail Hollow, a place that you feel very comfortable at. You're two back entering Sunday to a guy that's won on the PGA Tour before. He looked Ricky Fowler and Brooks Kepka in the eyes and said, no, I'm going to beat you at the Honda Classic in 2019. Like, this guy's not afraid of winning. Gary Woodland was right there. He won a U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Like, he had guys surrounding the leaderboard. Abe Answer coming out of fucking nowhere. He went. 
He better understood his golf swing because of the new coach, Pete Cohen. He knew how to adjust on the fly. He learned a fade. He primarily went to a fade. He learned a couple go-to golf shots when you're down, like when you need a really good shot. He worked on wedges. He was playing knockdown wedges all over the place out of nowhere. He's never done that or at least successful at it. And you come to a golf course, you really know, and you capitalize on being in the position that he was and gets the win. That's the difference to me is he was in contention and he won the golf tournament. It's not necessarily the win. Like, obviously, if you came out and won by 10 strokes, that would have been fucking awesome. It's like, oh, Roy McIlroy's back. But during that stretch of a year and a half when he had a bunch of high finishes and back doors, and even when he was in contention and then didn't win, this was totally different. He played bogey-free up to the 18th hole, made four birdies, and just played really solid golf all day long. He did everything that he needed to. And I wrote a blog about it on twilight9.com today. He did everything that he needed to. Wasn't easy. Sixth hole. He needed a seven footer for par. Nailed it. On seven, the par five with the creek running down the right side. Flares it to the left, has to lay up, hits a wedge to like 25 feet, which is actually a pretty good shot. He just didn't catch the slope right. He needed to hit a 24 footer for birdie. Center cut. Nails it. Another seven footer for par on 11. Buckets. 13th hole, he needed 11 foot par putt to drop. Nailed it. And then back to back birdie opportunities on 14 and 15, where you need to make up some ground or extend a lead, which he did. Two circles, two par, uh, two birdies rather. Perfect golf. Like the dude was in contention, put those Sunday scaries away, and won a fucking golf tournament. And then it came down to 18, which it wouldn't have been a Roy McIlroy win at least a, a first win in a while if he didn't scare the shit out of me. I'm sitting on my couch tweeting, Roy McIlroy just won a golf tournament standing up to 18 and literally needs to make one good swing, right? If you find the fairway, then you can just hit it to 50 feet on the green or the right side of the green, putt to the left side, back left, and just make a par, even a bogey. Toe hooks a three wood into the hazard. Lucky that it didn't go into the water. Obviously, it was the same thing. When they got up to the ball, terrible eye, sat down in really long grass. He couldn't pitch it back to the fairway. Harry slowed everything down, laid out all the options for Rory. You can either hit into the fairway, which I don't think you can. You can hit it up towards the grandstand a little bit up there to give yourself a look at the green, right? Just need to hit the center. Or we can just take a drop here if you like this lie. It's going to bounce into the hazard, so you're going to be able to place it in the rough, give yourself a decent lie, and that's what they ended up choosing. He had 196, took an eight iron out of the bag, flushed it. The ball was a foot and a half below his feet. I don't know. I'm not talented enough to hit that golf shot. He's shown flashes of being able to hit that golf shot. If you guys remember at the Ryder Cup a few years ago, he was teamed up with Ian Poulter, and that was like the highlight of the Ryder Cup. The ball was three feet below his below his feet, and he hit it to like, what, 15 feet on the green? Ridiculous. So he's shown that he can hit that shot, but... It was a heart attack situation. Of course, he ends up hitting this miraculous, just a golf shot, like you guys heard in the opening, Dottie, absolute golf shot to 45 feet, puts it to two and a half feet, and then makes the putt. That was something we haven't seen from Rory pretty much in a long time. Like he hasn't won, I mean, I guess in 2019, he won a lot, but he's always had this cloud above his head, like, oh, Rory can't finish a golf tournament. Right. That was kind of the narrative. Like he gets in the he gets in contention on Sunday and 
he can't go out and win a golf tournament. Sure, if he's like 10 back going into a Sunday, he'll go shoot 65 and all of a sudden he backdoors a top five, top 10. That's what was happening a lot too. But the narrative was he can't go win on a Sunday. In this time, he fucking did. And it was so incredible to watch. And the moment was perfect, right? Erica just had their first kid on August, I think, 31st of 2020. So this was her first Mother's Day as a mom. Rory wearing a pink hat, wearing a pink shirt. Poppy was there to hit that putt, to have your family off the back of 18th Green waiting for you on Erica's first Mother's Day, his first win as a dad. It was perfect. It was literally the perfect ending, the perfect way he could come back. It was like literally the storybook ending for that golf tournament. It was that picture that the PGA posted. I mean, it was everywhere of the three of them standing on the green after he won was perfect. Favorite moment of the week. And then it's something has to say. Harry did a great job, Rory's caddy, all day long. He did a fantastic job of talking everything through with Rory's yardages, clubs, cut, draw. Where do we want to have this? Leave it under the hole, all that kind of stuff. Harry is cementing himself as one of the best caddies on the PGA Tour. He's doing a phenomenal job. And Pete Cohen with Bannon, with his old coach, with his lifelong coach pretty much, needs a lot of credit. Cohen is known for wedge play. Taught him a cut. Couple go-to shots, like I said at the top of the show, that you can go to. You need a fairway. This is the shot that you hit. But the cut is a huge difference maker, I think. Like I'm recently in my own game, am turning a little away from the draw and kind of just going to a cut. Aim a little left, have that right shoulder high through impact, get it there before the club head, hit a cut. It's more repeatable than I think than a draw. You can do it over and over again and it's pretty much the same exact feeling. And I really like that Rose is going to that. He hit a fucking, uh, it was downwind. But was it the second hole that he hit like a 371-yard drive with a cut off the over, there, over the trees and off of the trees down the left? Crazy. So he still has the distance. I mean, some of the longest players on tour are guys that cut the ball. Brooks, DJ, all these guys cut the golf ball. JT, obviously Bryson is the exception that just hits a rope hook. But I think the cut, perfect decision for Roy to go to. And he alluded to it. I think Either that was uh, Saturday or Friday. I can't remember. But I think going to the cut was huge. And then the Brad Faxon thing comes out, what was that, Wednesday or Tuesday? He released his best putters of all time, I think top 10. And Rory McIlroy, to everybody's surprise, was 10th. And the little caption next to it said, call me crazy, but Rory McIlroy, 10. And social media, respectfully, and honestly should have, had a field day with that. Rory is notoriously not that great of a putter. He struggles on the green sometimes. Even though he's in, I think, the top 25 when it comes to uh, length per round, like the amount of putts lengthwise you make per round, he's in the top 20, so he makes a good amount of putts. But he's notoriously like mix, misses a bunch of four-footers, five-footers, he three-putts all the time. And then this week, kind of shoves it in everybody's face. Inside of six feet this week, he was 51 of 51. Did not miss from inside six feet. He was third in strokes gained putting. Like, Maybe Faxon was onto something. Faxon has been working with Rory for a couple years now on his putting. His putter looked phenomenal this week. He was making birdie putts. He was making long par putts when he needed to. I don't really remember a putt this week where he missed it and it's like, oh, you should have made that. I don't remember a single one. And that is really impressive. Thursday through Sunday, you make all the putts that you need to. Even Thursday, he he noted after in his... uh post-conference on Sunday 
that he like tweaked his neck Wednesday and he woke up Thursday morning, could barely move it. Luckily he had an afternoon tea time that he was able to get in there and get it figured out and get it a little bit of adjusted and loosened up. And then he was ready to go. He had a little tape I was noticing on the range before Thursday. But then even with the stiff neck, maybe the swing wasn't all there, right? He didn't have a great first round. I think he shot plus one. He was making a bunch of putts. The putter was his savior on Thursday. If he wasn't making those putts, I don't think he missed the cut. The putter was just really, really, really good all week long, all four days. Again, 51 of 51 from six feet and in this week. Incredible. A couple tweets from Justin Ray. Roy McIlroy was top three in the field this week in driving distance, greens and regulation, scrambling, and strokes gained putting. Of the 668 tournaments all time measured by shot length, only three winners have done that. Jason Day at the Barclays in 2015, Kenny Perry at Colonial in 2005, Rory this week. Crazy. And then this is the fifth time Roy McIlroy ranked in the top three in a tournament field in strokes gained putting. He ranked third this week. His finishes, first, 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 fourth, fifth. When Rory putts well, watch the fuck out the rest of the field. That's when he wins golf tournaments. When that putter cooperates, the rest of his game is so good that it's usually there every week, right? The driver's phenomenal. He's a really good ball striker. He just, obviously, the wedges were better this week. But when everything else is clicking and then you add the putter clicking to that, I don't, not a lot of guys can beat them on their A game, right? We talked a few months ago with JT when he won the players that when some, when he's an A game flight, I don't think anybody in the world is better than him. Rory is a close, is close, if not better than that. When he's driving it in the middle of the fairway, 340, striking the ball like he does, wedges are on and then putts really well. Like this week, 51 and 51 from inside six feet. I don't know if it gets any better than that, but you got to give credit also to the guys that were there, right? I mean, Mitchell was there. He drained a birdie putt on the first hole after an incredible approach shot out of a fairway bunker. Like that's ridiculous. He was right there. He kind of fizzled down the end and then aim answer kind of coming out of nowhere. Birdies 15, 16, and 17 to get into the clubhouse at nine under was almost enough to get into the playoff if Rory even makes 18 a little bit more dicey. But he was another guy that we mentioned on the show last week that was like, He's so consistent. He hits a bunch of fairways and he hits a bunch of greens. He just needs to make putts. And this week he made a lot of putts, right? Solo second. So he's creeping up on his first win also on tour. But this was Rory's week. It was awesome. It was great that I was able to actually talk about Rory McIlroy on this podcast, winning a golf tournament. We've done 39 of these things and that hasn't been a thing yet. And I'm pumped. It's been really awesome. So Bets wise, so congratulations, Rory. We're not even really going to go over the rest of the uh, top five and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, Gary was up there. Keith was up there. Uh, Abe was solo second. A couple other guys, but this was Rory's week. Betting wise, we had JT to win group A. We lost that one. Bryson and I think Shoffley beat him. Max Homa top 20. That's a loss. He missed the cut. I don't know what the hell happened to Max. I was watching him Thursday morning and he came out and like, doubled I think one of his opening holes or like tripled one of his opening holes it was terrible don't know what happened so he missed that one Rory Rory McIlroy top 10 easiest hit of all time plus 210 awesome odds Will Zalatoris top 20 we lost that one he missed the cut Harold Varner the top Harold Varner the third top 40 missed that one he missed the cut Abe answer top 20 really easy hit that one for plus 185 and then Emiliano Grillo Top 30, I think he finished T14. So that was another hit, plus 175. In total, we hit three of seven bets, plus 170 for the week, plus 1.7 units. So really good week at the Wells Fargo. Won some money, 
Rory McIlroy won a golf tournament, had some Guinnesses last week to se- or last night to celebrate. So congratulations, Rory McIlroy. Our fucking guy gets it done. But now this week, the week before the PGA Championship, we're going to Texas. We're going back to Texas. We were just here for a couple weeks for the match play in the Valero Texas Open, but we're right back for the AT&T Byron Nelson. Again, Sometimes this field struggles to land some big name talent, but this this week, there's actually a lot of guys there. A lot of guys that haven't had form of late, like John Rahm's going there, DJ. I mean, Bryson came back and had a pretty solid weekend at the Wells Fargo, but he's not playing super, super well. He's here. So the field's really good. The home of the Byron Nelson moves a lot. It changes golf courses a lot, and it changed again. We're at TPC Craig, what is it called? Craig Ranch this week. I've never heard of it. That sounds like a golf course that like somebody put three holes in their backyard and they put a little sign for all their buddies to come play. It's like Craig's Ranch. That's what this sounds like. But let's go over the field. As I said, world number one, Dustin Johnson, who hasn't finished inside the top 10 at a golf tournament since he won the Masters in November. Crazy. He's back this week. He skipped the Wells Fargo, which I don't know. I didn't really look at it. I don't know if he plays there like a lot, but I think that golf course would have suited him perfectly. Long off the tee, really good iron player. I think he would have been really good there. I don't know why he didn't play, but who knows? He did play at this event back in 2017. He did finish inside the top 15. He was T13, but again, not the same golf course. So I don't know how much you should put into that. The Texas kid, Back. Jordan Spieth, we haven't seen him since the Masters. He was in really good form. I'm sure that he's still in really good form. Since missing the cut at the Farmers, Jordan's made seven stroke play event starts T4, T3, T15, T4, T48, the players, first at the Valero Texas Open, and T3 at the Masters. He's only finished outside the top 20 once. Crazy. Crazy form that this guy's got bringing in. Other names in the field include John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Daniel Berger, Masters champ Hideki Matsuyama is back for the first time since he put on the green jacket, and Willie Z, who's coming off his first missed cut of 2021. Pretty surprising, actually, but I actually like him this week. We'll talk about him in a little bit. The golf course, TPC Craig Ranch. Again, that is a backyard golf course. That's like a putt-putt golf course name. Terrible name. Par 72. And if, if you guys know it has a story behind it, like someone named Craig, they dedicated to them. I don't know. <laughs> so don't come at me if it's like Craig's Memorial Golf Course. I have no idea. Uh, par 72, 7,438 yards. Tom Weisskopf design. Bent grass greens. The greens are small, so accuracy uh, with the iron play is going to be huge. Ball striking is going to be big. It's a lot of bunkers. A creek runs through, I think, like 14 of the holes, but it's not really in play. Um, I've heard that it's kind of a boring layout. It's not a lot going on. Like you just hit a fairway, hit a green, and putt. Like there's not a bunch going on, which is kind of a bummer. The weather. I included Tuesday and Wednesday just to show you guys a little bit something. Tuesday is going to be 60. It's going to rain. It's going to be really high winds. Wednesday, they're going to get more rain in the morning, and then it really settles down for play days. Thursday, 72 and sunny, uh, 8 mile an hour. Friday, 76 and sunny, 11 mile an hour. Saturday, 81 and sunny, 14 mile an hour. And Sunday, 82, isolated thunderstorms, 33% chance to rain and 16 mile an hour winds. So it's going to be windy. Get your scoring done on Thursday because you need to buckle up for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it looks like. And I think it's McKinney, Texas, if if I'm correct. I'm pretty sure it's McKinney. So with the key stats this week, just like the course comparison for data golf here in a second, there's not a bunch of information just because it's never been featured on the PGA Tour, this golf course before. But Tom Weisskopf also did TBC Scottsdale. And through that's one of my 
favorite course comparisons, I guess you could say this week. A lot of the stats should match up with each other. So that's pretty much what we're going to base off of. Um, you got to hit fairways and also you got to drive it pretty long to compete at this Weisskopf design. So we'll see what happens. It's got a lot of mysteries, to be honest. It's going to be one of those things where it's going to be heavily reliant on form coming into the week. And then I'm going to take a look at some guys that usually play well at TBC Scottsdale, which we'll get into in a second. Data golf information. Again, they don't really, they don't have a course comparison. So we're going to really go with TBC Scottsdale trending of the players in the field. Jordan Spieth, his last three starts, T9 first, T3, Bryson DeChambeau, T17, T46, T9 in the last one, number three, Daniel Berger, T17, miscut, and T13. Percent chance to win. Data Golf likes John Rahm this week at 12.2%. They like Bryson DeChambeau after that at 7.7%, and then Dustin Johnson after that at 6.3%. If we go to some betting odds here, John Rahm is the favorite at plus 700 which is nuts because I'm about to look that up real quick. I know he had like a bunch of top finishes. So we missed the cut at the Wells Fargo, T5 at the Masters, T9 at the Players, uh, T32 at the WGC, T5 at the Genesis. So yeah, he's been playing good golf. I don't know, plus four in two days at the Wells Fargo and missing the cut. Who knows? Maybe he just wasn't feeling those days. I didn't watch a lot of John Rahm. I didn't catch him at all, to be honest. I don't really know what the uh, problem with him is, but obviously Data Golf likes him enough to bounce back from a miscut and win at plus 700. That's crazy odds. Jordan's at plus 900. The second favorite Bryson is also with Jordan. DJ's at plus 1,000. Brooks Kepka is plus 1,600. Matty Fitzpatrick is with Brooks. Daniel Berger plus 1,800. Matsuyama's plus 2,000. Scotty Scheffler's 25. Zal Torres 28. Mark Leishman 28. Sam Burns 33. Harris English is at four. If you go down a little bit longer, uh, Jason Day's at plus six. Luke List is plus 6,600. So for the betting portion, we're going to bounce to one of the guys that's at plus 1,600, and that's Matty Fitzpatrick, the Englishman. We're going to start with him. Since the start of 2021, Matty has made six-stroke play event starts. He has two top fives, four top tens, a T11 at concession, and T34 at the Masters. For the season, he's 18th in strokes and off the tee, 11th in strokes game putting. Obviously, distance-wise, you can just look at him and know that he's not going to drive the ball that far. But he's 15th on tour tour when it comes to driving accuracy, hitting 68.3% of fairways. That plays at any golf course you go to. He might not get it out there as far as DJ, whatever. If he can average 290, 295 off the tee, but hit 68.53% of fairways, that's going to play no matter where you are. Again, For most guys on tour, at least some guys on tour, smaller greens are tricky, right? If your ball striking isn't there, you're going to miss a lot of greens and then you got to rely on your short game a lot. Fitz, not one of those guys. He's a phenomenal ball striker, really good iron player, really good long iron player, small greens. He's fine with them. Just a few weeks ago, he was T4 at the RBC Heritage. And those greens, if you guys don't know Harbortown, are tiny. So again, with these small greens, I don't think Fitz is going to have that big of a problem. I just don't. I think he's... I think he's just so due for a win that at some point I think you just have to win. Like you just got to get it done. And I think this week fits, fits a lot, especially like if the creek and bunkers come to play on some of these holes, he's very strategic. He's going to plot his way around this golf course. I think he's in for a good week. Again, his value is not going to be there a lot because he's only plus 1600 to win the golf tournament. I'm going to look up on DraftKings real quick. 
Um, I might actually be going away from DraftKings. The last couple of weeks, they've been really annoying. I don't know if they're just not doing um, like top 30s and top 40 bets, but they haven't been doing them recently. I don't know if you guys have been seeing something different. I've been going to FanDuel to do all of my stuff now just because they are like a little bit better, to be completely honest. And their odds are a little bit better. Like Matty Fitzpatrick at FanDuel is plus 2,000. So you get a little bit more value. So FanDuel is probably where I'm going to be. They don't have top 10s and all that kind of stuff yet. But Matty Fitzpatrick is at plus 2,000 to win on FanDuel. So he's probably going to be minus money for a top 20, but probably like plus 200 for a top 10. So that's probably where you're going to have to get Matty, if I had to guess. And then we got to go to Willie Z, I think, is going to be back on the card this week. He lost us money for the first time, and I think it'll, or he lost us money at the RBC Heritage. So we haven't won money on Willie Z in a, in a couple weeks, actually, or a couple starts, rather. But home state of Texas, I think he can kind of bounce back from a miscut pretty easily. His ball striking's too good, I think, to miss two cuts in a row. He just couldn't get it going off the tee at Quail Hollow. He was finding trees. He was finding pine straw. Like, he was all over the place. And then to accompany that, his scrambling was bad. Like, he couldn't get up and down. His sand performance was bad. And then he just didn't – he just had an off week, right? It was his first start in a couple weeks. So, I'm not going to put a lot into his miscut at Quail Hollow. I think he can bounce back rather nicely. Zoysia Fairways at this golf course, which, if you guys don't know – are the type of fairways that when your ball's on it, it's almost like it's sitting on a tee. Zoysia is perfect. It's like walking on carpet. It's literally insane how perfect those fairways are when you get Zoysia. And for a ball striker like Will, having fairways that's literally like hitting it off of a tee, he's going to have a field day when he finds fairways. He's just going to need to find fairways, obviously. But with Will's ball striking ability, he's going to be able to go at pins all day long just because of the quality of those fairways. Hopefully it's in really good shape. I haven't seen pictures yet, but we'll see. His tee to green game this season is great, ranking 10th on tour, while his approach game obviously stays in the exact same spot. He's fourth in tour in stroke scene uh, approach. So again, Texas kid, I'm not going to put a lot into that missed cut last week. I think he can bounce back, especially if he just finds a couple more fairways. I think he's going to be right there. So we'll see. Uh, Luke List, he had his uh, hat in the ring come Sunday afternoon at the Wells Fargo, but faded as the day went on. He's going to be a name to watch, I think, this week in Texas. Hopefully, he can put back-to-back starts together. I don't know. He hasn't done that a bunch of in his career. He went through earlier this season. I think in February, we had three straight top 30s. But like I said earlier, I really like TPC Scottsdale as a course comparison for this week. And he's finished inside the top 30 three of the last four years at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So I like that. He can flat out pound it. He's seventh on tour and strokes gained off the tee, averaging 313 yards. That also ranks seventh. The driver for him can be a real advantage. He's going to need to hit fairways, obviously. Craig's Ranch is a little generous when it comes to fairways, but when you're off of them, you're kind of fucked. So you need to hit fairways, but he can flat out pound it. So distance is not going to be a deal, big deal for Luke. He drove it really, really well at the Wells Fargo. And what can hurt him is his putter. He ranks outside 200th strokes gained wise on tour this season when it comes to putting but at the wells fargo he did gain 0.67 strokes on the greens one of his best performances of the year so if it's flat stick again carries over and he's even just decent with the putter this week i think because of his ball striking ability because of his driver i think he's in for another good week again i think he's like let's see if i can find him real quick on uh, FanDuel. He's plus 5,000 on FanDuel. I think that's actually a little bit worse than it is on DraftKings. 
Did I get him in there? Yeah, Luke List, you can actually get plus 6,600 on DraftKings. So if you want to go there, DraftKings is a little bit more value. That's probably where I'll get it because he'll be plus money for like a top 30 probably. And that's where I'll have him. I'll have him top 30. If I had to guess, it'll probably be right around like plus 135, I'm guessing, is going to be that. So he's going to be a name to watch. I got three more for you guys before we get out of here. Um, Another Texas kid, Scotty Scheffler. When the tour is in his home state, he usually plays pretty well. T32 at the Houston Open in 2020, T28 at the Houston Open back in 2019, T20 at the Valero Texas Open in 2019, T35 at the Bryson Byron Nelson in 2019, and his most recently at the match play, he lost to Billy Horschel in the championship round. So solo second at the match play just a few months ago or just over a month ago. And he's due. Such a talented kid. He's really good tee to green. He can get the putter going off and on. His short game's pretty good, but he's still looking for his first PGA Tour win. Crazy. I can't believe that this kid hasn't won yet. He probably should have won the Northern Trust if DJ was like injured or something. DJ won that tournament by, what, 20 strokes. Scotty Scheffler, I believe, was solo second at that event. He's just so due for a win. And again, it would be storyline, first win in Texas, blah, blah, blah. He's had good form this season. We'll see what happens. And he's just such a good combination of distance and accuracy. He's uh, 32nd in driving distance, averaging a little over 305 while hitting 67.14% of fairways. That's 26th on tour. So when you look at it, that's a great combination to play at a golf course where you need accuracy and you need distance. Again, at my favorite course comparison, TPC Scottsdale, he finished inside the top 10 just a few months ago. He was T7. So I think he's going to be one of the guys that I think I picked to win. I know I picked him to win a couple weeks ago at the Valero Texas Open. Was it the Valero Texas Open? I forget what tournament I picked him to win. I know I picked him to win a couple weeks ago. But I think he's going to be one of the names I think I pick. I think he's just due for a win in his home state. His numbers off the tee just match up really well with this golf course, I think. So we'll see what happens. And then a couple sleepers for you guys to end the show. James Hahn might be a sleeper this week, like top 40 finish, something like that. He averages just under 300 yards off the tee, so he's long enough, and he hits 65.83% of fairways. That's 35th on tour this season. On top of that, he's performed well at the, in the past at TPC Scottsdale. This year, if you guys remember, before Brooks holdout and all that kind of stuff, James was right there. He ended up finishing 10th, but he was solo leader on Sunday for most of the front nine. So he's shown good history. He was T25 at, in Scottsdale in 2020, T11 in 2018. So he likes that Weisskopf layout. This might transfer really well. And it did. In 2012, this course held the Corn Ferry Championship. Um, it, it wasn't called the Corn Ferry. Whatever the hell it was called, that, that tour changes its name seemingly every three years. But James Hahn finished T2 at that event. So we'll see. We'll see if that carries over. It also um, it also hosted the Corn Ferry Championship, I believe, in 2008. And Mark Leishman, who is in the field this week, I think finished like inside the top 10. So that name could be another one you guys are looking at. He's coming off a Zurich Classic win. He hasn't shown too much form outside of that except the top five at the Masters. But before that, it wasn't anything crazy. That's why I didn't list him here. But he could also be a name to watch just because he's played this golf course and performed well at it. James Hahn, again, nine years ago, finished T2 at this golf course. So that's why I kind of put him in there. Good course history at my closest course comparison. Good off the tee. And it's played this golf course before, so who knows? He might have a little leg up. I have some guys that haven't played this golf course before. 
And then the last one, another sleep for, for like a top 30 or top 40 bet, and this is Pat Perez. Stats-wise, he's just not going to be that impressive, right? His stroke scene numbers aren't great. Percentage-wise of hitting greens and fairways just aren't that great. But he's been working really, really hard at his game. He's been practicing a lot. He just hasn't seen kind of come together yet and have like a really good tournament. But he's looked better over the last few weeks with three top 30s in a row at the Zurich. Obviously, that's a team event. I think they were like T21 at the Valspar and at the Wells Fargo. Three top 30s in a row. That's a good sign. Over his last 24 rounds on bent grass, he's 14th in stroke same putting. That's the surface they're on this week. So again, stats-wise, I'm not going to list a bunch of stats because they're obviously, or honestly, excuse me, not that impressive. But the game is coming together. He's putting a lot of work into it. If it all comes together for a week, bunch of top 30s in a row, if you can get him with good value for a top 40 finish, I like it. He sits at plus 1250 or plus two, uh, 12,500 to win on DraftKings. So he's probably going to be plus money for a top 40. I think I really like that pick. I think he's working hard. If it comes together, he can have another pretty good finish at a golf course. He plays okay, I guess, at the waste management. He doesn't have a bunch of high finishes. But again, Perez could be like a top 40 sleeper, I think. If he ends up on my card, that's where he's going to be. But guys, that's it. That's it for the Rory recap. That's it for the uh, Byron Nelson preview. That's all we got this week. Obviously, it sucks that Rory's not in the field going for back-to-back wins. But the next next time we talk, it's going to be the PGA Championship. They're going to be at Kiowa Island. The last time Rory was there, he won the PGA Championship in 2012 by eight shots. So if, we'll see if that carries over. That would be fucking awesome. Jordan Spieth needs it. I think needs the, is it the PGA he needs for the career Grand Slam coming in with good form and the course fits him really well. The short game and wedges need to be on. Rory's putter in short game and wedges seem to be on. The storyline, if it comes down to Jordan and Rory at Kiowa, incredible Sunday. But who knows? Who knows that that's going to happen? But that's the next time we're gonna, uh, I'm going to talk to you guys. It's going to be for the PGA Championship. So expect a little bit longer of a show. Maybe even somebody come on and talk to me uh, about it with it. But it's going to be pretty cool. So be on the lookout for that. Follow the socials at Twilight9Pod for the uh, IG. Riley Hamill underscore is my personal IG. Again, send in any questions you guys got for the show. The betting stuff will be coming out Wednesday as it always does. And then the first instructional series, I hopefully just locked up a course that we can film at. I think it's going to come either Thursday or Friday. So be on the lookout for that. We're filming early this week. But yeah, guys, that's it. So I will talk to you guys next week for the PGA Championship. Enjoy the Byron Nelson this week, and I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Peace.